prodding or much provoking. Can you just express the reality of that song just for a moment? If you know he's a wonder-working God, if you know how good he's been, can you just lift your hands and lift your voice here? I think it's in order just for us to pause and give honor for how good he's been to us. This is a personal testimony. If you know how good God has been to you, can you just take the next few seconds and just honor the Prince of Peace and the King of Kings and the Good Father and the Miracle Worker and the one who makes ways when there are no ways and the God who can heal cancer and mend broken families and and pull you out of sin and restore lost kids and bring restoration to backsliders. Can you just honor him for a moment right now? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We don't we don't sing what we heard about. And we're not talking to you about something that someone else told us. But there's some of us in this room, this is a personal experience. It's a testament to how when you see me, I want you to understand you're looking at more than just me, but you're looking at the goodness of a God who decided to show grace on a being who didn't deserve it, who didn't earn it. person next to you tell them God's been good to me tell them God's been good to me and somebody else tell them I didn't always look like this see some elders laughing you know what I, I didn't always look like this if you're a guest or a visitor in this place, I, I, I want to challenge you. Don't don't feel intimidated uh, because you might see you might see people that are here worshiping, and, and a thought might cross your mind. And they're so holier than now, and they must have always had it together. What you don't realize is they're not worshiping because the condition that they're in. They're worshiping because God decided to pull them out of the condition that they used to be in. And it was the kindness of a good God that decided to pull them out of what was their miry clay. I, I know it's Sunday night and we want to act like we got it together. But there's a mother and a father in the room that can testify. I didn't always look like... shout God's good can you just shout I'm still here the first one's for heaven the second one's for hell because God's good and I'm still here how many times has he thought he taking you out but you're still here the attack didn't work the sickness didn't do it the trials didn't do I'm still here matter of fact I'm louder now than I used to be in church more grateful now than I used to be. Amen. And so thankful, so thankful, so thankful, so thankful to be in the house of the Lord with the precious believers of Antioch. Can you just do me a favor and
And uh, just by your response, can you just not yet, but can you embarrass your pastor just for a moment? How, how many of you guys love your pastor? but you guys are blessed with an amazing pastor. Amazing pastor. Amen. And, and we know behind every great man of God is a great woman of God. Can you put your hands together for his lovely wife and his family? Amen. 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 You, you could make your way back to your seats. I was car with my wife driving back to the hotel last night and I told her I said you know there's you know it's 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 often and quite normal uh, that the closer you get to something uh, the less impressed you become and, and that's not for any particular reason you just become more aware of things uh, that you weren't uh, but but I just told her I said the closer I just get to uh, Pastor Wright and his family and this church just the more impressed I've become and uh, I, I I speak from uh, from the vantage point of someone uh, who has uh, a father in the gospel, an amazing pastor, has been blessed with elders in my life. Uh, don't ever take your man of God for granted. Amen. Don't ever take it for granted. Uh, don't take him. Don't take his family. Uh, don't take them for granted. Because uh, when you get to heaven, uh, when you get to heaven, I think there'll be a few things you'll realize. I, I think you'll realize all the arrows he took for you that he never even talked about. All the prayers he prayed, he never told you about. All the time they interceded for you and they never spoke of it. And so I'm thankful. I'm thankful that you guys are blessed with an amazing man of God. It just made me more thankful for my pastor. Uh, I, I get the privilege of, of traveling and, and going to various places and being uh, at different things. And, you know, most often, uh, you know, probably the, one of the most often asked questions is, who's your pastor? And I'll tell them, well, Glenn H. Hires and they almost, uh, they almost never, they almost never know who he is. Sorry, Glenn C. Hires. They almost never know who he is, and uh, uh, it's it just puts a smile on my face. And, and the reason is, uh, is because uh, for someone to invest in you uh, without ever getting the proper thanks, uh, it just, I, I'm just, I'm just thankful. I'm thankful. Can't tell you how many times I was a 15 year old kid, and uh, I'd walk, I'd walk into church. And uh, service would go on, and after service, I'd just pull them aside and was so intimidated to talk to someone that I felt that uh, was, should be regarded in such high esteem. And uh, he'd sit in the pew with me and just talk. And every single time he got done talking, he'd always tell me, Marcus, I, you know, God's just going to do some amazing things through you. And we're just, we're just so proud of you. And, and you're going to, you know, I was 15 years old. I mean, the best thing I did was pass ninth grade. But, uh, but he believed in me. I'm just, I'm thankful that I have a pastor, and uh, you ought to be too. You ought to be too. Amen, amen. So glad to be in the building with so many friends and and uh, just spiritual brothers and sisters, people that I just love so dearly. Don't want to start calling out names, Scout, because I'll get in trouble. But I will tell you, uh, this youth team has just been, uh, has just been on another level. 
Uh, they have just been on another level. And I, uh, I think it's in order for us to give the honor to uh, Brother Jalen and Sister Esther for the awesome job that they're doing. The awesome job that they're doing. you're a parent and you bring sometimes drag your kids to church I want you to know that uh, there's a group of uh, young adults that are uh, doing everything in their power to make sure that uh, they create an environment conducive for your kids spiritual growth and uh, it, it is to your benefit uh, that you engage them in in uh, what this local youth department is doing awesome Antioch I want to let you know you're blessed you're blessed you're blessed you're blessed blessed and uh and uh, i'm just excited to be here genesis chapter 12 if you can stand with me i know you don't have to but just make me feel comfortable and stand with me genesis chapter 12 uh i've been wrestling uh wrestling listen i know i and i, I really don't have to apologize for this but uh sometimes i'm like man i hope they they understand i can't preach a little bit just um, but my greatest desire is to be obedient to the Holy Ghost. And uh, sometimes that requires uh, just, just stepping out. Uh, and uh, I was so thankful for those that God filled with the Holy Ghost this morning. I believe it was three that God filled with the Holy Ghost. And, uh, and uh, you know, I, I, I pray God helps me that, you know, uh, even if you see thousands or tens of thousands, uh, you never get over the joy of seeing one again. How many of you remember when you got the Holy Ghost? Amen. I wish I could pass this mic around and let some of you elders testify of how it was when you got the. I, I love hearing. I love hearing a saint of God that's just been in it for a while. Talk about the first time they received the Holy Ghost, and that joy just kind of floods them. Amen. The power of the Holy Ghost is that it won't just change you, but it can keep you. Amen. Old saint said it can keep you if you want to be kept. So I'm thankful for that. Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. When you're there, say amen. Genesis. Genesis. Uh, that's going to be your first book in the Bible, Genesis. Genesis chapter 12. Chapter 12 is going to come after chapter 11. Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee and I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing and I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him and Lot went with him and Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. I want you to imagine that. At 75 years old, Abraham makes the greatest spiritual decision he's ever made before. Can I tell you, elder? Can I tell you, saint? Can I tell you, mother in the Lord? Could it be that out of all the great things that you've seen in all your tenure of ministry, the greatest thing you're ever going to see is in the next few years to come? 
know, I, I know, I know we can kind of get used just to pushing on the young people and now it's your time and passing the mantle and giving them the baton. But I just believe that the greatest level of authority you've ever walked in, the greatest miracles you've ever seen, there's some elders in the room, the greatest thing you've ever walked in in the spirit, that God has some giants for you to conquer. Amen. If you just give me a few moments, I want to talk to you about a generational God generational God why don't you set your Bibles down I know we've already done this but I just feel like we ought to just oblige the kingdom here Uh, if you can grab the hand of the person that's next to you if it's appropriate and I just want us to pray and Antioch I want you to pray like Antioch knows how to pray you don't got to make a lot of noise I just need you to connect with the Holy Ghost and if that means making noise you do that But just let your spirit just go out to where your hands can't reach. And I want you to connect with the throne right now. Come on, that's it, Antioch. I want you to lift your voice all across the building. From the front to the back, every young, old, every man and woman, I want you to lift your voice. I want you to connect with the Holy Ghost. And I just want you to allow God to do whatever he wants to do in this place tonight. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I loose my tongue, God, to work as an oracle of your word. God, I loose the gift of faith to be in operation, God, not only in this pulpit, but in every pew. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray, God, from ministry all the way down, that there would be a divine transfer from heaven, God. God, that you would begin to speak things with clarity and direction. Father, right now, I give myself and submit myself to your word. That you would flow only like you can. Let the kingdom of heaven begin to descend upon us tonight. Father, we worship you for everything you're going to do and say. We give you honor and glory because only you are worthy. Now one more time all across the building. Can you clap your hands unto the Lord? And can you lift up a shout of victory right now? Come on, one more time. Lift up a shout of victory. Amen, 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 amen. I just feel like we're teetering, like we're kind of making a decision what we're going to do tonight. Can I just tell you, you ought to make up in your mind, we're going to get everything that God has for us tonight. Amen, amen. I know you're tired. I know some of you are weary, but I just want us to cross over to the other side. Can we just cross over and praise right now? Can you clap your hands and lift your voice and just make a declaration of praise? God, I want everything you have for me. I just feel like poking a bear tonight. I don't know why. I just feel like waking something up that's just been asleep here for a little bit. Amen. I want to remind you, we're still dangerous. Look at the person next to you. Tell them, I'm still dangerous. You got to be careful when you're next to me because when it, when it gets on me. Amen. Look at two or three people. Tell them it's good to see them in the house of the Lord and you may be seated in Jesus' name. Rightfully so, scripture, 
places a strong emphasis on the character of Abraham. You will find that even Paul expresses that we should not only admire the faith of Abraham, but that we are to replicate the faith of Abraham. Uh, I'm so thankful that you can find various men and women that can inspire you throughout the scriptures. They somehow, for one reason or another, challenge you, provoke you to do better. Men like David, who in many cases and scenarios we respond or or refer to in uh, atmospheres of worship. Men like Jacob, one of my favorite, who provokes us in hunger and who challenges us to do more and to hold on to God when it's a lot easier to let go. I'm inspired even from women like Esther who took the opportunity to see beyond her blessing and realize that her blessing was the reason why she should act in a blessing towards others. Uh, There's countless peoples within the scripture that you can acknowledge, men and women of faith, who have achieved great statures and have done great things. Even Hebrews begins to acknowledge a litany of men and women who took on great challenges and accomplished great things. But there's really only one in particular, that when it comes to the realm of faith, that we are required to model. Uh, it's not just asked of us that you uh, inspire, you get inspiration from his faith. It's not just required that you like his faith. But beyond that, it is dictated that you should replicate his faith. And that is this man called Abraham. In doing so, I think it would be to our benefit to pause and just to acknowledge just for a little bit the type of faith that Abraham had. Because I think in some ways or another, not with intent, just through the ways of man, we can sometimes dumb down the reality of what the scripture presents. I want to first start this thing off that when God calls Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, that God calls a man that he knew would call his family. I've always been perplexed on a few reasons on why God decided to call Abraham. What what made Abraham so distinct amongst everyone else that was on the earth? Because I can tell you this, that as much as we like to think that God's eyes and God's attention is focused to the same degree on every person, it just seems to be that the scripture would relay that there are particular people that God takes special notice and attention to. And I don't know about you, but I want to be that person that when God surveys the earth, that for some reason or another, he takes the time to pause and look at me. I don't know about you, but I want to be the type of person that when God looks at Maryland and he begins to look at different churches and different organizations and he begins to look at different streets for one reason or another, he somehow finds that there's enough reason to stop at my hotel room and say there's something different about that young man, Marcus, and I'd like to pay special attention to him. Can I tell you the hardest thing that could ever happen to a church is that a church can get to the place where they enjoy blessing because sometimes blessing is the greatest restriction to hunger. 
You can get to the place where because we have great buildings and we've accomplished great feats and we've done great things and we've built great men that you become satisfied with where you're at. But I think the distinct factor that God decided to chose Abraham, that despite that, despite the fact that Abraham was an idol maker around false gods all his life, had a career that was laid out for him, had destiny that was already proven, came from a family that was known in the area. Abraham had a desire to go beyond what was normal and what was easy and said, God, if you say there's more mountains to conquer and there's more land to take, I'm willing to pick up my family and take them. Amen, amen, amen. Interestingly enough, when you get towards... uh, uh, when you get towards further down the narrative of Abraham's life, what you see is that there comes a point in time where, where God decides to descend down and decides to fellowship with Abraham and decides to fellowship with his wife Sarah. And the Bible begins to relay that on their way out, they made their way to Sodom and Gomorrah. But before they made their way there, they begin to have a discussion amongst themselves. And they begin to ask the question, shall we hide what we're about to do? to Sodom and Gomorrah for we know that Abraham is going to be a man that's going to produce a great nation and it goes beyond that and says and we know that Abraham is going to command his kids concerning me can I tell you the second reason why I believe God decided to choose Abraham I believe God decided to choose Abraham because God knew if I call Abraham Abraham will call his family Can I tell you, I, 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 I want to be as kind as possible, but I think there's an issue in the church when there's not enough men of God leading their families to the altar and showing them what it looks like to walk in the Holy Ghost. I'm so thankful that we have mothers in the church that will lead in praise and worship. It was a beautiful thing this morning to see all these young men pacing back and forth, but can I tell you what God saw in Abraham? God understood if I call that man Abraham, that man will turn around and call his wife and turn around and call his kids and turn around and call his family. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. It was 15 when I got in church and I got in church. The dynamics were a little different. It was the first one and uh, it wasn't unnormal, unnatural for the things that were going on in my family just to be very chaotic. I remember we hit a point in time We just kind of made up in our mind. We're not going to allow what's outside our home to dictate what happens inside of our home. Can I make this very clear? You don't need a lot of people to make something happen. I remember remember we were were at at the house, and and it was me and my sister. We finally got into church, and, and we started praying, and we started asking God, I want you to shift the tides of what happens in our home. There was another person who was in our family who was entangled in a whole bunch of witchcraft. And it just seemed like everything she did, it just brought so much chaos and it brought so much disarray. And I found out through a third party because this third party knew me and knew this other person. And she began to tell me after, after I got the Holy Ghost that she had a conversation with this person that was doing all these spiritual things. She came to me and she said, listen, this person just told 
told me. I don't know what's going on, but ever since Marcus got the Holy Ghost, everything I do to that home just doesn't seem to work anymore. And I want to tell you, it was a little bit after that, that when my sister got the Holy Ghost, that my cousin Fred got the Holy Ghost. And it was a little bit after Fred got the Holy Ghost, D got the Holy Ghost. And it was a little bit after D got the Holy Ghost, my dad got the Holy Ghost. And after my dad got the Holy Ghost, my stepmom got the Holy Ghost. And after my stepmom got the Holy Ghost, Barbara got the Holy Ghost. And after Barbara got the Holy Ghost, Christopher got the Holy Ghost. And can I tell you, just a few weeks ago, I got the chance to baptize my 92-year-old grandmother in the name of Jesus Christ. Because one man can change a family. Man, can, can, can I just be? Can I just be a little honest with you? We 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 take some things sitting down way too easy. We're way too casual about some of the things that happen to our family. We're 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 way too easy just to become content with the condition of our kids. Is this okay? I was preaching at a church recently. I was just talking to them. I kind of paused. I said, listen, out of kindness, I don't, I, don't, I don't mean to cause any issues. But out of kindness, can I just talk to you for a moment? I just begin to tell them, I, I, we're so quick to complain about the conditions of our kids. But at the end of the day, the struggle that I find is, is that moms and dads are so quick to criticize the condition of their kid. But they're not as quick to come down to the altar and begin to war for that same kid. Can I give you the crux of what I'm trying to get to? Antioch, if you're going to have everything that God has for you, it's not going to be taken passively. But you're going to have to take ownership for what belongs to you. And there's going to have to be a made of mind that I won't let my kid backslide without me saying anything. And I won't let my marriage fall apart without me saying Amen. Here's Abraham, 75 years old. Abraham is, has lived life. He's experienced things. Kids uh, never came by. Grandkids never came by. And Abraham is at the end of what he would see to be the last portion of his life. And God begins to come to Abraham and begins to tell Abraham, Abraham, I have a land that I want to show you. I have something that I want to give you. It's not going to be held where you're at. It's not going to be in the mundane. But you're going to be required to get out of what's comfortable. You're going to be required to get out what's normal can I tell you I'm so glad for everything that we've built and everything that we have but if you don't get stirred up a little bit because there's a few empty pews sitting next to you can I challenge you you don't have the faith of Abraham something ought to shake you on the inside and says God I'm so thankful that you filled those with the Holy Ghost but there's more that I want to see there's more that I There he is, Abraham. Abraham and Sarah, they go on their way. It's going the way God begins to bless them with kids. Isaac comes into the picture. And when Isaac comes into the picture, here's Abraham. Abraham takes Isaac and begins to lead Isaac up a mountain and gets ready to sacrifice Isaac. This is the first time worship comes into play. And God begins to tell Abraham through Isaac, 
God begins to tell Abraham, as he begins to tell Isaac, we're going up to the mountain to worship. And he begins to lay Isaac on that altar and gets ready to sacrifice Isaac. And on his way down to what might seem he was going to kill his kid, God begins to stop Abraham and says, Abraham, don't lay a hand on him because there was promise in that kid. And can I tell you what I feel tonight? I feel like there needs to be a transfer of promise because when God begins to see how we conduct ourselves with those that God has entrusted us with, there is a transfer that begins to take place from one person to the next. Can I tell you, I've spent enough time with your young people and I'm so thankful that they honor and revere you. They have so many good things to say about you. They have so many things to talk about a generation that has gone by that has done great exploits and seen great things. But can I tell you what's wanting to happen in these young people? Some of these young people are so hungry to be released in areas that you might not have never gone in. They're so hungry to operate in places that you might have never heard of. But the reality is this, is that when we become comfortable with where we're at and don't acknowledge the reality that God has more for us than everything we've conquered, that there's more giants for us to see, I know that this is your promise. But this isn't the promise of the generation that's behind you. They got things that they want to do that they haven't talked to you about. They got dreams they want to see fulfilled that they've never told you about. God's shown them visions in the spirit that they've never dialogued about. But in the Holy Ghost, God's been dealing with the generation saying, I know you've seen what the Abraham generation could do. But what about Isaac and Jacob? What about another generation that's behind them that's saying, I'm hungry to see more of what the Holy Ghost wants to produce in us I wish you would release them tonight I can only tell you what I know I can't can't tell you can't tell you what I don't know I can only tell you what I know I baptized my grandmother 92 years old texted a few friends of mine sent a few pictures it was awesome because when I was 15 I spoke to me, he said, I'm going to save your family. I believed it. And I was waiting for the day that I could be three generations but backwards. And so when this happened, I started texting him. And one of the masters said, listen, how many has that been ever since you got in church? And I said, to be honest, we've stopped counting the people we're baptized, and we're now counting ministers. I began to ask, well, what do you mean by that? I was going to tell him, I, I, I've made up in my mind. I'm going to make hell pay for every divorce he caused in my family. I'm going to make him pay for all the dysfunction he caused in my family. I'm going to make him pay for all the abuse he caused in my family. And in this process of this happening, I enjoyed seeing the fruit of just people getting baptized. And it was nothing to come to our church and see two pews filled of people that was the Baptist tribe, so to speak. And I see my dad there. My grandma doesn't speak English. She sits in church. She lifts her hands. She worships as if she does, but she doesn't. Uh, see two two pews just completely filled with with the Baptist clan and, and there came a point in time where for me at least I got real comfortable with that it's a lot to celebrate look my family's in church now and it's so interesting I was more comfortable then than I was when no one else was in church when it was just me in church you know you, it was nothing to find me showing up to pre-service prayer a few hours early but all of a sudden when the family was in church it was Kind of like, man, we got to serve the pre-service prayer again. Because the blessing made us a little bit comfortable. Because the family was sitting next to you in the pew, it was just a, just a little bit comfortable. 
So here I was, and, and I started, I started just kind of getting a little bit complacent. And, and finally, I started asking God, if I'm dishonest, I started asking God. I said, God, I don't understand why we got to do all of this. I just feel like we're doing so much. I, just, I was running around, I, I, and I have, I, have, I have peers. They're not doing as much, and why can't I just do what they're doing? I tell you what I just felt the Holy Ghost just begin to share with me. I've been complaining for a few weeks now. And out of nowhere, I just felt God speak to me. And he said, what if this isn't about you? What if this has nothing to do with you? What if, what if every pre-service prayer has nothing to do with how he can bless you? What if, what if your worship during a worship service has nothing to do with you? But what if it has to do, can I, t- can I talk to, what if, what if your holiness has nothing to do with you? We, we, we pick and choose our standards on what's convenient for us. But, but what if it has nothing to do with you? When God just began to convict me and he said, what if it has to do with a generation behind you? What if there's sacrifices that you're making that have nothing to do with you, but it's a sacrifice that you're making for someone behind you? We build altars that are good enough to serve us, but will only last one generation. Abraham built an altar that can go three generations down. There I was. There I was. I was complaining, Pastor. I was complaining. Listen, we don't really got to do all of that. And here's the reality. You don't have to do all of that. If you don't do it, you'll be okay. My, 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 might lead, even let go of some external things and, and might still feel all right. Marriage might not fall apart. But if you're there to see the impact it has on your kids, you might not need pre-service prayer. But what if it has nothing to do with you? But the young lady that came walking in with despair in her heart and said, God, if you're real, if you'll touch me tonight, I'll give my life to you. It has to become a generational thing, Annie. I tell you, you see this great platform. This great platform. Didn't build this great platform for one person to stand on. It's always challenged me. It's always challenged me. That Abraham built such a large altar. Young people, come up here. If you're, if, you're, if you're 21 and younger, run on the platform really quick. Just run really quick. Run. You can run. You're 21 and younger. Run really quick. Run, 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 run. Move, move. I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me. Abraham built such an altar that when he looked back, it wasn't just him and his wife that can sit on it. He built such an altar that when he looked back, it wasn't just what mom and dad still feel good in church, even though we don't pray like we know we need to. It wasn't, it wasn't that. It wasn't what, what mom and dad do our little devotion, but we don't know the last time we wore it in the spirit. It was none of that. It wasn't mom and dad served in Sunday school, but, but we forgot what it meant to be led. Abraham built such an altar that a whole generation could stand on.
My challenge is to this church, you're enjoying the sacrifice that was laid from another generation. But my challenge to you right now is how big is the altar you're building for the next generation? I just want you to lift your hands for a moment and just pray right now. There's a moment, Dad, you've been letting go of some things and God's been convicting you. You just never let the Holy Ghost deal with your heart right now. Some of you have been letting go of your altar because it's been working for you and your wife. It's been, it's been working for you and your kids. But what about two generations down? Can you just stand to your feet? I'm done right now. Can you stand to your feet? We're getting ready to pray right now, but we're not praying for you. We're not even praying for the kids that are here. We're praying for the kids that aren't here, but we're going to build a big enough altar for them to find room when they do get here. We're not, we're not praying for you, and, and we're, not, we're not even praying for the people that are here. But we're praying for the backsliders that haven't even been born yet. And we're making room on this altar for them to find a place to sacrifice as well. Can you just do me a favor? These kids are down here, but if there's some people that just want to come behind them and just pray, I just want you to come down for me, please. I want you to come down praying if you can. Elder, I know you've seen great things. I know you've operated in the spirit. But what if it's time for you to build an altar that won't benefit you, but it's for another generation that's behind you? That's called to see greater things than you've ever seen. There's some parents you want to be in this altar. Because there's some sacrifices you've let go of. And you want to make up in your mind that I'm going to go back and build what was lost. I'm going to go back and rebuild what was I know you're comfortable in your sacrifice, but can you make a sacrifice that does not benefit you, but it benefits those behind you? This prayer isn't about you. This prayer isn't about you. This prayer isn't about you, but it's about what's behind. You're not praying about you. You're praying about those behind you. You're praying about those behind you. This has nothing to do with your altar. It's about building an altar that's big enough for them. Oh, 
There ought to be some elders working through this crowd right now and laying your hands on some of these young people. There ought to be some mom and dads working through this crowd right now and laying your hands on some of these young people. This is a selfless service. We're not praying for what's in here. We're praying for what's going to be here. We're not praying for what's in here. We're praying for what's going to be here. There's kids in here that need you to lay your hands on their head and begin to speak over them. You will be free tonight. You'll be loose tonight. Come on, mama, find that young lady. Lay your hands on their head and begin to pray over them right now. Find that young man, dad, and begin to lay hands on his head. This altar call isn't about you. It's about what's behind you. Come on, that's it. Lift your voice, young man. Lift your voice, young lady. There's promise in you. There's promise in you. There's promise in you. That's it. Elder, lay your hands on. Begin to prophesy over them. You'll see more than I've ever seen. You'll do more than I've ever done. You'll go further than I've ever gone.
That's it, Mama. Get your fight back and pray over those kids. <laughs> 